Today is April 12th, 2021, and our first story. As new riots are erupting in the Minneapolis area, the defense for Derek Chauvin has asked the judge to sequester the jury, but the judge has said no. The fear that the jurors will fear if they say not guilty for Derek Chauvin, more riots will erupt and it could taint the jury. Our next story tracks the riots themselves. Riots and looting erupted after a young man was shot accidentally, according to police, in a new police-involved shooting. In our last story, good news for those that are critical of the media. New opportunities in digital are freaking the media out. They are panicking as cancel culture power begins to fade and corporate press begins losing subscribers to independent creators, creating, well, full-on panic mode within this media class. Before we get started, leave us a good review. If you like the show, give us five stars. And if you really like the show, just share it with your friends because the best thing you could do. Now, let's get into that first story. Last night, we saw widespread rioting and looting just outside of Minneapolis after another officer-involved shooting. And this couldn't come at a worse time. The criminal trial of Derek Chauvin is still ongoing due to the widespread riots. The defense asked the judge to please sequester the jury, saying that the jurors know if activists find out who they are, they will be in danger. They know that if they say Chauvin is not guilty in a fair trial, there will be riots. And as more riots are currently ongoing now, it's going to scare the jurors. They need to be sequestered from this media, from these stories. But I'm sorry, I don't think it's possible. If even if they take these jurors, they put them in a hotel room, someone is going to be telling them there's going to be a notice. The hotel is going to say, here's a here's a warning due to uh, ongoing riots. Here are the precautions we're taking. They will know the judge refused the request. The state said, look, your honor, it's an entirely different case having nothing to do with this officer acting as though these instances occur in a vacuum. I think we're, we're in serious trouble. I think Chauvin at this point may get convicted on some of these charges due to a fear of riots or legitimate arguments, for sure. The prosecution does have some good evidence and, and has made some good points. But murder in the second degree, I don't see as being likely, which means you will get a news story that says Chauvin acquitted and you'll get a news story saying Chauvin convicted. All it takes is an acquittal on any of the charges, and you will see this city burn. Now with the riots ongoing and new information breaking, I think it's entirely likely that this city is going to light up once again. Body camera footage was almost immediately released by the police. The breaking news, the officer who shot Dante Wright accidentally pulled her gun instead of her taser. And I think this is actually a fair assessment. In the video, the woman yells, taser, 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 but she's holding a, a, a handgun, live ammunition. She fires one round and says something like, oh no, I shot him. Doesn't matter. People are already calling for charges and they may have to give this officer charges. Now, I, I have a lot of opinions about that story and what's going to happen with the riots, but I do think it's important we talk about the bigger picture at hand. This is it's serious. Look, a young man lost his life. It's always a tragedy. Okay. My heart is broken by this. There's a lot we have to break down in that case. But the Chauvin trial is, has got everyone on the edge of their seats. This, in my opinion, will taint the jury. I could be wrong. The judge seems to disagree, but I don't know how you, you, you look past this. 
We've already got a mainstream media apparatus that is outright lying about what's going on in this case. Legal insurrection with excellent analysis pointing out the Washington Post is, is making it seem like the defense and the Chauvin trial are buffoons making stupid statements. When in actuality, the prosecution has been floundering with only about one or two good days so far out of around nine or ten. The defense has done an amazing job. That is not to say I am defending Chauvin in any way, but the defense is making light work of the witnesses brought out by the state, and the defense has not yet begun to fight. They haven't even started their case yet. This is just the prosecution's witness, witnesses. So it's entirely likely people in this city are being primed to expect a conviction of Chauvin. When it doesn't turn out the way they want, they are already in riot mode. All of this is going to compound. And in my opinion, the judge has been irresponsible with denying the request to sequester to the jury. Let's go over what's going on with the latest news. And we're going to come back to what's going on with the latest incident. Again, I think the Chauvin trial takes, you know, we need to focus on this because how the Dante Wright case affects the Chauvin trial, I think is going to be very important because it's going to compound what happens in the case of Dante Wright. Now, before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to support my work. It's entirely possible that my channel gets banned at some point. They have been purging many channels. More just got banned over the past week. If you want to support my work, make sure we can stay afloat and expand this business. Become a member and you will also get exclusive access to members only segments. And you may notice we got a new website. It's still being upgraded and still in the works. So there's a lot to come, but everything is a lot better. We've streamlined a lot of the process. We're still fixing some design stuff. But seriously, thank you all so much to everybody who's become a member. You are helping us to expand, make new shows. We're going to be funding sitcoms. We're going to be funding short films, movies, a new show, new podcasts. We are going above and beyond to make culture happen. Again, TimCast.com, become a member. But don't forget to like, share, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Let's get into the news. Axios reports, officer who shot Dante Wright accidentally pulled gun instead of taser. That's an important point. A reasonable person will look at this news and watch the body camera footage and conclude it was a horrible accident. This young man did resist arrest. He was being cuffed and the cops were repeatedly saying, you can hear it all. They're like, don't do it, man. Don't do it. And then the woman tries grabbing him. He breaks away, jumps in his car and they begin fighting. And then an accident occurred. I genuinely think that's fair to say. Now, we'll come back to this because I have a lot to say about what's going on with policing. But ultimately, I believe this will taint what's going on with the Chauvin trial. Chauvin trial judge denies request for jury sequestration after police shooting. They say after a fatal police shooting near Minneapolis on Sunday, former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin's attorney expressed concern that jurors in his murder trial could be swayed by the events. Judge Peter Cahill denied the request to re-question jurors and immediately sequester them. Cahill said the jury would be fully sequestered beginning next Monday when closing arguments are expected to start. Defense attorney Eric Nelson asked that jurors be questioned on what they had heard about the police shooting of 20-year-old Dante Wright in Brooklyn Center, a nearby city in Hennepin County. Unrest followed the shooting. Police deployed tear gas and flashbang grenades to clear protesters who had gathered outside Brooklyn Center Police Department. One of the jurors lives in Brooklyn Center and others have ties to the city, Nelson said. He said jurors would have would have already been sequestered due to the high profile nature of the case and its tendency to evoke. They should have already been sequestered due to the tendency to evoke strong emotions. Nelson asked that jurors be warned at the beginning of each day to avoid all media. Nelson also expressed 
concerned that jurors might be made nervous to deliver a verdict which with the public which with which the public does not agree. Prosecutor Steve Schleicher countered that he didn't believe jury sequestration would be effective. It used to be that avoiding media meant not reading newspapers or watching television, but now media are omnipresent. The judge ruled against the motion to question the jurors about what they had heard about Sunday's shooting on the basis that it's a totally separate case. He worried that such questioning might lead jurors to believe that there were new threats to their safety. It would be different, Cahill said, if the civil unrest had followed a verdict. I believe the judge should have sequestered the jury from the get go. We've already heard the judge question one of the jurors, even asking, what's, was, what's this about a book deal? And apparently the juror was like all nervous. Everybody knows what's, how high profile and how significant this case is going to be. When these stories break, with or without information, whether we know what's going on or not, the jurors are going to be impacted. This in no way, I, I, I can't imagine this is going to be a fair trial. Think about one of the jurors who has family in Brooklyn Center. When I heard the defense ask for the jury to be sequestered, I actually thought this could be good for the defense. No, seriously. You look at the, 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 the actions coming after what happened with this, this young man, Dante Wright. And many of the jurors might say, look at these rioters, these insane people. And it might bias them against the activist. It, 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 it's incredible to me that the consideration often only goes in one direction. The state doesn't seem to care. Fine. But it's possible some of these jurors are now biased in favor of Chauvin. They hear this story. They hear it's an accident. They don't know exactly what happens. But then they see videos of women twerking in parking lots as people are looting a T-Mobile and, and, and a GameStop. Yeah. Some of these jurors might be like, I'm not OK with this. These people need to go to jail. And then what? Are they going to cower? Or are they going to stand defiant? It could go either way. It taints the jury pool. Now, I'll tell you the real issue. They mentioned at the end of the story, they say Nelson expressed concern jurors may be, may be made nervous to deliver a verdict with which the public does not agree. Do you see what's happening? The judge should have sequestered this jury outright. Because now the jurors will know, although they've been instructed not to follow the media, they're going to hear it. Some already have getting texts from family members saying it seemed like a bad day. Now they're going to know the public wants Chauvin to burn. I give you legal insurrection with a this is this. I got to say the the crew over at legalinsurrection.com, very astute, very intelligent, calling out the fake news, calling out the the, pointing out what's going on at the trial in a very fair and, and, and meaningful way. When I watch the trial live, because everyone can, and then I see how the mainstream media frames the story, I'm shocked. They're acting like the jury, uh, I'm sorry, they're acting like the defense doesn't even exist. Or in this story highlighted by legal insurrection, they're acting like the, 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 uh, the media is putting out stories that are overt lies through false framing. When these stories come out and they're insane, what ends up happening is that regular people in the public expect Chauvin to be convicted. And what happens when he's not, or at the very least, he gets acquitted on one of the charges? The city will burn. And then people across this country will riot. I'm sure the jury knows this. And they might feel in their heart of hearts that Chauvin should be found not guilty on all charges. Maybe. They also know that people will suffer. 
that bad guys will rampage. And so they may cower in fear. Some may just straight up be like, if people find out who I am, my life will be over. So they will just give the terrorists whatever they want. Legal Insurrection reports, Derek Chauvin trial, prosecution problems ignored or misrepresented in mainstream media. So they say there are very significant prosecution evidentiary problems ignored or mis- misrepresented in the mainstream media, which will lead to an even larger explosion of violence if there is not a guilty verdict. They say, I'm not make uh, the comments of our coverage have been mostly informative, reflecting that readers are really on top of the issues. We don't often do an open thread, just opening things up for reader comments. But we are but uh, we are now close to done with the prosecution's case, likely to start hearing from defense witnesses next week. He goes on to say, I'm not making any predictions. I think the verdict could go either way at this stage. And if I had to put a wager on the table, it's more likely that there will be a guilty finding on at least one of the counts. There is sufficient evidence, particularly after the prosecution medical expert witnesses, for a jury to find guilt. If the jury believes the prosecution witnesses and discounts whatever contrary experts the defense brings. The nine minute video is still very powerful evidence. Conversely, there there also is enough in dispute for finding a reasonable doubt. That seems to be a very reasonable statement here. I will not deny the prosecution nailed it. I think on Thursday with a particularly good day. on I think it was Thursday and Friday. They did. I mean, maybe it's a little maybe saying they nailed it gives you a, a high, a more expectation for uh, the prosecution or makes you think that they did better than they really did. They were adequate. They did what they needed to do. Their experts said what they needed to say. The defense was able to redirect. It wasn't perfect. It was a good day for the prosecution. But the defense did nail a major slam dunk when one of the state witnesses, a medical expert, said that if she had found George Floyd in his apartment, she would have concluded it was a drug overdose, creating reasonable doubt. Not definitive proof, not proving innocence. But it's, it's, it's fair to say at this point, I trust legal insurrections analysis. It may very well be that he does get found guilty on one of the charges. In my personal opinion, I'm not entirely convinced. Let me read on and tell you why. They go on to say, what I can say with confidence is that as with George Zimmerman's trial, the public is being misinformed by the mainstream media that this is an open and shut case. And if Chauvin is found not guilty, it's because of systemic racism in society and judicial and the judicial system. For example, the widely accepted narrative that Chauvin kept his knee on the neck for nine minutes has been thoroughly debunked by the prosecution's own witnesses and the body cams. There was pressure by Chauvin's knee, but it was not continuously on the neck and was mostly on the back and shoulders. According to prosecution medical witness testimony, recognizing this evidentiary problem, the prosecution case has shifted from the initial several trial days of claiming that pressure from the knee to the carotid artery cut off blood flow to the brain, causing loss of oxygen and an inability to breathe, a claim rejected by the prosecution's own medical experts, to a broader claim that Floyd being restrained while handcuffed in the prone position with pressure from multiple officers impaired his ability to inhale. They have shifted their claims in this. They are not doing well enough for some of the charges. Probably why the judge brought back in murder three. They want to say there are very significant evidentiary problems ignored or misrepresented in the mainstream media as to one, the cause of death two whether Chauvin caused the death three, whether the force used by Chauvin was unlawful. And for some counts, Chauvin's intent. People who only read the mainstream media coverage of the case are ignorant of these issues. Take a look 
That's the Washington Post. Floyd resisted arrest when he said, I can't breathe to officers trying to put him in squad car. Defense argues that is insane and not true. Why would the Washington Post try and convince people that the defense is arguing, saying I can't breathe, was resisting arrest? They want people to believe the defense is inept. They want people to believe the prosecution is landing all their punches. Then when Chauvin is acquitted, people will say, how is that possible? The jurors must be racist. The jurors know this. That's why this being sequestered was so important. The jurors know they will be smeared, defamed, doxxed, threatened, harassed, and the people will be shocked. How could the jury deny these obvious facts we've all seen from the Washington Post? They're putting the jurors in a bad position. Legal Insurrection says, a good example of media malfeasance is an article I stumbled upon at Washington Post with this headline. Chauvin's attorney argues Floyd saying I can't breathe was a form of resisting arrest, which started with his opening paragraph. Quote, testimony in the trial of Derek Chauvin continued Wednesday with the former former officer's defense team arguing that George Floyd saying I can't breathe while police attempted to load him into the squad car was a form of resisting arrest. Legal insurrection says that makes the defense team seem absurd and laughable, something that should not be taken seriously from an evidentiary view, except that's not what Chauvin's attorney said in questioning the MPD use of force trainer. As the article text makes clear, the context was testimony elicited that officers need to consider a person's other actions in judging whether a suspect saying I can't breathe is legitimate, and that if the suspect is otherwise actively resisting arrest, that statement may not be credible. Quote, if somebody is saying I can't breathe and they're passing out and they're not resisting, that's one form of analysis, right? Because the actions of the suspect are consistent with the verbal utterances he's making, right? Nelson asked. Other times, and in this particular case, when Mr. Floyd was initially saying that he couldn't breathe, he was actively resisting arrest initially when he was in the back of the seat of the vehicle, right? He continued. What the defense was saying is that George Floyd, before he was even restrained, was saying, I can't breathe. Then when they did restrain him and he said he couldn't breathe, they just assumed he was lying again. The first time he said he couldn't breathe, he was actively resisting. He was kicking his way out of the car. He could clearly breathe. So, or at least he could perceivably to these officers be breathing. So when he was on the ground saying, I can't breathe, they did not find it to be credible. Not that he could or couldn't breathe, but that maybe these officers didn't believe he was being honest. They say the admission by the MPD officers, what officer was significant in the defense showing that the use of force was reasonable. But Washington Post readers would not know that. Certainly not the majority who read only the headline and opening paragraph. That is just a small example of how the media distorts the case and the trial to fit its narrative. This distorted narrative will lead to an even larger explosion of violence if there is not if, if there is a not guilty verdict. They go on to mention Andrew Bronca has a ton of amazing coverage of this. And I got to say, it's true. Legal Insurrection has been covering all of this. And from watching it, I think they're actually being much more fair for the prosecution than even I would be. You know, when I see the, the, the medical expert brought in by the state outright say that if they walk, they were asked, if you walked into a room into, into Floyd's own apartment and saw him dead in this way, what would you conclude? Or, uh, in, and they said, uh, they said uh, drug overdose. 
I saw that and I said reasonable doubt. Now, legal insurrection is saying, yeah, well, hold on. Respect that. Absolutely. I'm not a legal expert. And it's very possible that Chauvin does get uh, convicted on some of these charges. There's an update here. They say, the more I think about it, the greater the alternative theories as to what stopped Floyd's breathing and caused his death presented by prosecution witnesses, pressure on carotid artery versus positional asphyxiation seem to be a problem for the prosecution that in and of itself could be argued to create reasonable doubt. It could be used effectively in closing. To stress this point, with the prosecution shifting their position and and bringing up all these potentials for what actually caused the the death of Floyd, they don't seem to have a definitive understanding of what Chauvin actually did. So when they come up and say, couldn't it have been that pressure on the neck killed him? Uh, yes. Well, but I mean, I guess, uh, uh, well, well uh, couldn't it have been that he couldn't breathe? Yes. Which is it? When the prosecution came out and said that it was the knee on the neck, and then the defense said, isn't his knee on the shoulder blade? The prosecution changed their position. And the prosecution's own medical experts were saying, actually, his knee wasn't completely on his neck the whole time. So the prosecution was forced to shift. I'd imagine if I was the jury and I heard that, I'd be like, do you even know what you're trying to argue to me? So look, I'm, I'm, I'm in a position where I'm thinking it's very likely that he's going to get acquitted. But I don't want to just have my opinion dominate the conversation. The Daily Mail reports, this is from today. Cardiologist tells Derek Chauvin trial George Floyd was not suffering heart disease when he died and his fentanyl tolerance was so high that drugs played no part in his death as prosecution prepares to rest its case today. The defense's case has not yet begun. They're going to rest. There will still be the defense's case, you know, cross, etc. Closing arguments. Today, there were some good points for the prosecution. This cardiologist, he, he said in no uncertain terms that drugs did not play a role in this. He was a cardiologist. He knows about hearts. And this was entirely about, you know, being put in this position. That it was the activities of the police officers. In fact, he was questioned on, 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 on cross. The defense said that they, he was asked if, if Floyd was left in the police vehicle, do you think he would have lived? And the cop said, yes, it was only because of the police that Floyd died. It's powerful stuff. We'll, we'll see what happens. And I can't pretend to be able to predict the future. I just give you my opinion on what I think should happen. I think Chauvin should probably be acquitted at this point because we learned he moved his knee off Floyd's neck to his shoulder and then back to his neck. It wasn't consistent. I would say he wasn't trying to cause any harm. In fact, I wouldn't even say it was negligent. When they said manslaughter, were the actions of Chauvin unreasonable, depraved, or, 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 or negligent that caused the death? He's trained to do this. Chauvin is trained to use ground control maneuvers. I don't think he was trying to cause harm or do anything that would result in the death of this man. I don't think he was being negligent if he was doing as he was trained. I'm not happy with what happened. I think they could have done better. I think there's a lot of things that went wrong, and I'm sad George Floyd died. He was an addict. Addicts need help. I don't like the war on drugs. But I don't know. I don't know what will happen. And I have a feeling the jury's been tainted, as I stated. That's the point of this video. And now we'll go to the breaking news as per what's happening with Dante Wright. They say that the cop accidentally pulled a gun instead of a taser. Okay, well, I'll tell you what I think is going to happen. This officer is going to get uh, already put on administrative leave. I believe she'll be fired. I believe she will likely be arrested and charged. And they'll probably try and charge her. Well, hold on a minute. I would say that they charge her with negligent homicide or manslaughter. 
But I have a feeling they're going to give her murder three or something. Uh, because what they're going to argue is using a taser on somebody is intent to cause bodily harm that could result in death. But she accidentally pulled her gun and shot and killed him. Murder three is that you intend to harm someone and they die. Murder two is you intended them to die. Well, she didn't intend for this guy to die, but she did intend to use force compliance, a taser. Tasers can be lethal. They're typically not what they can be. So I think they have an argument from the prosecution. This officer made a mistake that we understand, but she was intending to use force against this man and it did result in his death. They might get her on like negligent homicide or manslaughter, but I think negligent homicide, I don't know about Minnesota, it's typically more to do with cars, I think. So I think like with Floyd, she, uh, with Chauvin, she might see second manslaughter in the second degree because she was negligent. She was negligent. And apparently she was well-trained. She was like, she had, she had some uh, rank and, uh, and she killed a guy. I think they're going to do this mostly because they want to avoid riots. I don't think that will work. I think people will riot anyway. Axios reports, the officer who fatally shot a 20-year-old black man outside Minneapolis Sunday appeared to have inadvertently pulled out her gun instead of a taser, police said. Driving the news, quote, this appears to me from what I have viewed of the officer's reaction and distress immediately after, this was an accidental discharge. That is not true. Okay, hold on. She didn't mean to shoot him, but she did mean to shoot him with something. She didn't discharge the gun accidentally. She discharged the wrong gun accidentally. So this will be an interesting case. Be an interesting case. The backdrop, they say, Dante Wright 20 was shot and killed during a traffic stop. Most of you know this. The shooting sparked protests and unrest, rioting and looting. How about that? Across the Twin Cities has inflamed tensions in the community already on edge amid the Derek Chauvin trial. Axios can say it outright. It has inflamed the tensions brought about by the Chauvin trial. And the judge is like, no sequestration. No, we're not going to do it. Next week, maybe. Next week. After these people watch the city burn and see the news all night. They're not supposed to watch the news, but they're going to hear about it. People are going to tell them and they're going to be upset. Activists criticize the department for using excessive force, including tear gas and flashbangs against protesters. Gannon defended his department's actions, saying he needed to disperse the crowd after an officer was hit with a brick. What's next? The officer who has not uh, has not been named has been placed on administrative leave. The Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension is conducting an independent investigation. Brooklyn Center Mayor Mike Elliott told reporters he supports firing the officer. Elliott also tweeted that he had spoken with President Biden, who was expected to address the shooting in remarks Monday. How could they not sequester the jury? This is insane. The president's going to speak on this. Good. By all means, bring in the president, do the investigation, fire the officer if you must, whatever. But come on, man, get the jury into away from this. There can't be a fair trial. We are in serious trouble, my friends. Now, I'll tell you this. I will, I will, I will make a bold statement. Apparently, people on Twitter didn't like it. I have no sympathy for this cop. None whatsoever. I have no sympathy for this cop. She shot and killed a young man. When you pull your gun you are responsible for what comes out of it. I have heard this every single day since I've become a gun owner. I go to these gun shops and they say, we've, we've had these arguments. Why can't you own a gun in New York City? Because they don't trust you. No, it's, it's your responsibility. Listen, we had a conversation about gun control and gun rights, and the Constitution says shall not be infringed. So I argued, if you want to live in New York City in a cubicle concrete block, stacked on top of a bunch of other people, 
you should be allowed to own whatever weapon you want, but you are responsible. If you got a 308 AR-15 and someone breaks into your house and in a panic, you grab it and you fire that round traveling at what, 3,200 feet per second. And it goes through the, 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 the suspect breaking in your house. It goes through a wall and it hits someone else. That's your fault. That's why you need to understand the weapon you wield and be responsible for what comes out of it. If you want to live in a city and own the weapon, I believe you should be allowed to, but you should also be responsible for what happens after that bullet leaves that barrel, which means don't use an AR-15, like a SCAR-20S or, or an M1A in your home if you're going to be responsible. Use frangible hollow points in a smaller weapon to protect yourself. Use a shotgun like Joe Biden said, but you're still responsible no matter what. This officer, I don't think, deserves murder charges, but I will tell you this. I have no sympathy whatsoever. These cops, they watched what happened when, when the Chauvin stuff went down, when, when what happened in Atlanta went down. Remember, remember the guy in Atlanta, the cop? He was trying to arrest a guy who was drunk in his car, and that guy stole his taser and turned to fire it at him, which can be lethal. So the cop shot him. That cop got arrested and could potentially go to prison for defending himself. This stuff's been going down. The cops have been receiving no support. Now to the good cops, of which there are many, my respect. I understand it's difficult to try and balance neutrality in law enforcement, especially when you have bad cops, when you have activists, and you have conservatives who are angry about, say, gun laws. It's a tough job. You're trying to be a sort of neutral arbiter, like this is what the law says. You might not agree with it, but this is a system we have in place. It's tough. The Constitution says shall not be infringed. Cops swear not the Constitution. I think they shouldn't be enforcing Ill- illegal or unconstitutional law. But I get it. It's tough. It's tough. It is. Minneapolis is a different story. They defunded the police. They, they, these people burned down a police department. And you know what the city did? Sided with the extremists. Many of these cops, I would say mostly the good cops, said, I will not be part of this. And they left. There are many bad cops that jump out saying, oh, yeah, you want to go? Many. I, wouldn't, I don't know how, I don't, you know, relative. Are we going to say a lot of plurality? Probably not. The good cops, they left. They quit. They don't want to be a part of this. The city was going to throw them under the bus. I say good. The cops that stood up and said, no, the people don't deserve you sacrificing yourself for them if they vote for it. Now, you can be of the opinion the cops are good people who should not be subjected to this. Okay. But when the people vote, they made their voices clear. If you're a cop, you know what? Shout out. We'll do a pop culture reference. The Avengers movie, the Sarkovia Accord, you know, in Age of Ultron, the people of the world basically said you cannot act with impunity. Now, we know the Avengers were the good guys, but they got split in half. Some said, if we don't have some restraints and we don't, you know, abide by the will of the people, then we're no better than the bad guys. I agree with that to a certain degree. If you're a cop and the people say, please leave, and it's like the majority and or I should say of the voters. And there are people saying, please don't leave. And you say, well, I know most people don't want me here, but I'm going to stay anyway. That's surprising to me, especially when you know the city is willing to throw you under the bus, lock you up for the rest of your life for doing what they trained you to do. So these cops in Minneapolis, with all this going on, I fully expect this cop to go to jail, to go to prison. I'm not kidding. I'm not saying she should. I'm saying she likely will in an effort to quell this. And she knew. Okay. If you're a cop in Minnesota right now, I hope you realize this. If you are involved in any kind 
of shooting incident, especially one that kills somebody, no matter if it was an accident or justified self-defense, you will likely go to prison. Is that not clear? I thought it was clear with four cops being on trial over what happened to George Floyd. Many of these cops, they just say, "Eh, it won't affect me. Eh, I'll be fine. Some people have said, Tim, these cops are willing to stand up to defend the people. And and you, you're saying they should go to jail. No, 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 no. They're not standing up to defend the people. The people voted for them to go away. The people voted for defunding the police. And Minneapolis did it. And when they defunded the police, people who lived there panicked and called in panic saying, please bring them back. When the cops stand up and say, "Okay, if you don't want us here, we'll see ourselves out. It had a positive impact politically. It had a very negative impact for the people of the city. And for them, I do empathize for the people who voted for the police, for police reform. But to have the police protect them, I empathize. But for the activists, I don't. And for these, these, these ignorant, uninitiated people who are like, cops are bad because CNN said so, you voted for it. Why am I going to complain? These cops in the area that are supporting this system are allowing the ignorant and insane to keep making things worse. Now, I look at it like dominoes falling over. It's, it's obvious that many cops weren't going to quit or leave thinking, I'll be fine. I won't get involved in one of these things. It'll, it'll be OK. I need my job. It's better that I have my job. Here we are. Do you think this cop who shot this guy thought she would be the next Chauvin? Of course she didn't. She thought she would be fine. It wouldn't affect her. Well, now it's you, ma'am. Now it's you. And you should have known what was coming. They all should have. They think they're invincible. They think they're immortal. And I got to be honest, I'm tired of people standing back and standing by as horrifying things happen. And that's it. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm sad this guy lost his life. It's a sad story. But I'm also just, I'm sorry, you can't expect me to, to be sympathetic or empathetic to somebody who knows what's going on in their township, in their greater metropolitan area. They're going to riot and they're going to burn the city to the ground because of what this woman did, this, this female officer. I get it. It was an accident. It's going to have massive negative consequences for the trial of Derek Chauvin. It's not, it's just dominoes falling over. I wish people would stand up in defiance. I wish every single one of these cops stood up and said, with all due respect to the people of the city, you have voted to defund the police. We will see, uh, we will see ourselves out. They didn't. They said, eh, I'll take the paycheck. Okay. So when they come for you and they lock you up as the next Derek Chauvin, what do you want me to say? I'll just say, well, you, 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 you stood it. You stood there. You knew this was going to happen. You think I'll, 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 I'll put it this way. My final thoughts on the matter. First and foremost, stressing the importance of sequestering the jury and it's not going to happen. Fine. We'll see. If you, if someone offered you a lottery ticket, and the only outcome was, if your numbers come up, you go to prison for the rest of your life. Would you accept that ticket? Oh, it's not likely you, you, your numbers come up and you win. But why would you accept any risk to go to prison and have riots erupt all around you with you as the scapegoat? To me, that's crazy. Now, I know some will say these cops are standing up for what they believe in. They're defending, you know, they're, they're defending the people of their city. That's, that's true. and That's fine. I get it. But if you don't stand up for what you believe in politically, This is what happens. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. tonight. YouTube.com slash Timcast IRL live show. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. We'll talk a lot about this stuff in real time, and we'll see you all then.
The National Guard has been deployed in Minnesota after rioting and looting erupted over the shooting of another black man in the Minneapolis area. Now, the mother of this man claims that he was pulled over for having air freshener, which is apparently illegal. And then it turned out he had a warrant when he tried to drive away the police shot and killed him. There's a lot we don't know about what's going on with that particular case, but it's easy to say the rioting and the looting is completely unjustified. Of course, you're seeing many conservatives and moderate personalities point out the looting is bad and the rioting is wrong. Yet, of course, from the mainstream media, they're called protests. Some some protests. You know, when I pull up NBC and CBS and all these other outlets, they don't show the destroyed windows. They don't show the people twerking in the parking lot as they loot and raid a GameStop and a Walgreens. I don't know what that has to do with justice for anybody but my friends. If you thought you were going to make it through this summer without some insane riots, I don't know what rock you've been living under, but I'd imagine people who watch this channel at least could kind of expect this to happen. The Chauvin trial is set to begin very soon. By the time you're watching this, actually, I think they probably will have already started. Chauvin, as most of you know, is being charged with the murder of George Floyd. It's looking really good for the defense. If you haven't been following the Chauvin case, again, in the Minneapolis area, I think this one's in Minneapolis. The prosecution has actually been dropping the ball for almost every single day of the trial so far. And I think we're on like day nine. I think today's like day 10. There's been some legitimate analysis where they point out the prosecution keeps having their witnesses backfire on them. However, this past week, Thursday and Friday, seemed to be decently good for the prosecution. And some analysts have said that this is what the prosecution should have been doing the whole time. But every time the state brings up a witness, you'll get someone saying, oh, actually, Chauvin was trained to do that. Oh, actually, I've done something similar, which, look, you get rid of intent and then you add that Chauvin's trained to do this and you're going to get reasonable doubt. The reason I bring this up in this context, I'm going to read to you about what's going on with the latest riots, show you some photos and explain to you what's going on, because we got a hat trick today. That is three, three different stories. We've got this story out of Minneapolis. We have another clash between people like a White Lives Matter thing, which is ridiculous. And then we have this Virginia police officer getting fired. It is starting to heat up, both figuratively and literally. Now, I don't know. Again, I want to be I want to be clear. I'm seeing a lot of people point out that this man who was shot and killed was doing something wrong or he was a, he was a bad person. And I'm like, chill, chill, chill. All right. He did have a warrant. He did apparently try to flee. It doesn't justify necessarily a cop shooting him. If the cop was in front of the car and the guy tries to flee a traffic stop and maybe hits the cop, the cop shoots him. Justified. And, and again, there's a lot of nuance to this. But if this dude is just driving away and they like shoot to the side of the car, not justified. But apparently he crashed into other people. So I just don't know. I just don't know. I can't tell you this. These people who go out and burn down buildings and loot, you know, GameStop and other stores, they don't care about justice. There's video of these people just twerking in a parking lot while they're looting and raiding these stores. They just take advantage of the fact the police are now occupied and can't do anything to stop them. Well, here's the first story from the Daily Mail. They say police fired tear gas and rubber bullets as looting and violent protests raged in Minneapolis suburb overnight after officers shot at a 20 year old black man during a traffic stop less than 10 miles from where George Floyd was killed. The National Guard was called in to calm the chaos and a curfew was imposed to quell angry demonstrators. <laughs> How is a curfew going to quell anybody over the shooting death of Dwayne Wright on Sunday in the Brooklyn Center neighborhood? The unrest came just hours before the trial of Derek Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer charged with murdering George Floyd. 
Police have released few details about the fatal shooting. They said officers tried to arrest Wright after pulling him over and his girlfriend for a traffic stop, uh, a traffic violation at about 2 p.m. on Sunday before realizing he had an outstanding warrant. Officers say as they tried to arrest him, Wright got back in his car and drove off. An officer fired at the vehicle, striking Wright, but he continued driving for several blocks before hitting another car. I got to stop right there. This sounds bad. I don't have all the evidence. And I try to keep things, you know, look, the the George Floyd thing really was a punch in the gut for me and a lot of people because we all felt that pain watching that video initially. Now we're learning a lot of things about what really went down. And it's a different story. Still upset that, you know, Floyd died. And I'm, I'm sad that this is the state of affairs in this country, but it's not as cut and dry as we thought it was. In this instance, the information we're getting so far, and I'm talking outside the activists, ain't good for the police. Let me let me let me show you this again. Officer said as they tried to arrest him, he got back in his car and drove off. An officer fired at the vehicle striking right. Why did cops shoot a vehicle that was that was leaving? Now, the cops will probably say he's a dangerous, wanted criminal evading arrest and he could hurt someone with his car. I think that's absurd. Um, I think that's absurd. Now they shot him and then he started crashing. Was he crashing in response to have been, have, you know, being shot and then he died? They say police have not said if he was armed. Wright's mother says he called her in the moments before to say police had pulled him over for having air fresheners dangling from his rearview mirror. It is illegal in Minnesota to have anything hanging from a rearview mirror. I'm not, I'm not convinced of this either. Activists, of course, are latching onto this. Many people have already published stories saying this is a common pretext for harassing minorities and things like that. It may be. Absolutely. Because I've been pulled over on, on, you know, fake nonsense before. I've experienced this. However, it might be that they ran his plates. They saw that he had an active warrant and they needed a pretext for pulling him over. So you know, more of an agreement with the with the, with the, uh, the activists on this one. They ran his plates and they were like, hey, that guy's got a warrant. Pull him over for what? He's got air freshener. So when they pull him over, they say something like, oh, you can't have air freshener. Give me your ID. Get out of the car. You're under arrest. Apparently, in, in the call, I think the mother said something like she could hear the cop yell, don't, you know, like, don't run, don't run, Dwayne. And then he gets back in his car and then, you know, tragedy. But look, I'm going to tell you this. We, we need to get the body cam released. We need and this is why body cameras exist for justice. If these cops truly did nothing wrong, this is what was was good for many of the officers in the Chauvin case. When we didn't have the body camera footage, they weren't releasing it. We didn't know the full context. Now we know there's a bunch of there's, there's there's much more complexity to the situation. Again, still upset over the whole situation, but it changed the whole narrative. They say he was pronounced dead at the scene of the crash and his girlfriend, who was a passenger of the car, sustained non life threatening injuries. So we can see these videos of police and this clashing. Here's a cop. He's yelling a lot of riding and, you know, people on people on their knees. They're going to say police say both officers body cameras were on and recording during the incident. Wright's mother, Katie Wright said he called her while he was being pulled over to get the insurance information for the vehicle because she recently gave the car to him. She said he told her he had been pulled over because he had air fresheners hanging from his rearview mirror. Police have only said they pulled right over for a traffic violation, but have not yet given details. Describing the call, Wright's mother said, I said, when the police officer comes back to the window, put him on the phone and I will give him the insurance information. Then I heard the police officer come to the window and say, put the phone down and get out of the car. And Wright said, why? He said, we'll explain to you when you get out of the car. A minute later, I called and his girlfriend answered, who was the passenger in the car, and said that he'd been shot and she put it on the driver. uh, She put it on the driver's side and he was laying there lifeless. I heard scuffling and I heard a police officer say, Dante, don't run. She said through tears, the call ended and she dialed his number again. 
His girlfriend answered and said he was dead in the driver's seat. As news of Wright's death traveled, about 100 people, some visibly upset, and one carrying a sign demanding justice for George Floyd, confronted police in riot gear. Protests started peacefully, according to eyewitness reports, but soon turned unruly, with demonstrators vandalizing two police vehicles, pelting them with stones and jumping on them. And I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm mad about all this. I am livid about all this. Let me ask you a question. The cops can pull a dude over for air freshener, maybe because he had an outstanding warrant. They can shoot and kill him because he's fleeing. But when the people come out and smash up small businesses, where are the cops? It is so easy for these for these cops to handle these small situations. But the last thing they'll be doing is protecting your business. This dude didn't need to die. I don't know the full picture. If he committed a crime, I don't like that. From the sound of things so far, it's probably bad. But I got to be honest, once his body camera footage is out, then our opinion is probably going to change for the better or for worse. I just don't trust the activists on this one. But it's frustrating to me to hear a story of police willing to do everything in their power, even use lethal force to apprehend this guy for his warrant. But then we see it over and over again with the riders smashing, destroying everything. And what do the cops do? Nothing. They stand in the street. There, there's, there's video of these cops standing in the street as people are jumping up and down, smashing police vehicles. And what am I supposed to think about this? Am I supposed to say, good for the police officers standing there doing nothing while they've repeatedly burned down cities? What did they do in Portland? Nothing. Okay, okay. In Portland, the cops arrested a lot of these people, but they kept coming back out. The DAs did nothing. So that's a bit of a different circumstance. I'll, I'll concede that point. In Minneapolis, these people went around basically burning down various buildings in the city that were totally destroyed. And the police, it's so easy. And I mean, this literally it is to pull a guy over and be like, you're under arrest. And then when he's like, I'm leaving, you're like, the, the cops like, okay, I will use all of the power at my discretion. And these protests happen and they do nothing. Now there's, I mean, look, I shouldn't say do nothing, but they stand back and they watch. But I'll tell you this. I got to be honest. I ain't even mad. I ain't even mad. You know why? I, I don't live here. <laughs> I don't live in Minneapolis, bro. Y'all had a chance to vote for change here. And these people voted for this. They voted for the people say defund the police. They abolished. They voted to abolish their police department. Now they're doing this massive, you know, multi-million dollar recruitment drive. The other day I heard from some locals, Black Panthers were out and they were armed to the teeth. And I'm like, good. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, the Black Panthers have every, every right to be armed, to go outside. Got a Second Amendment right. I don't want violence to erupt. So, uh, you know, I think people should be careful. But I'll tell you this. There are many instances where armed people have come out to these riots and these protests and they don't use their guns. There have been some where they have, or at least there's been, you know, one prominent one. So I hope people don't engage in, you know, look, you might have the gun, you have the right to carry it, be smart about it, be responsible. And I'm wondering if when you have large groups of people who are armed, that actually chills things out. I don't know for sure, though. What I can say is I'm not I'm not thrilled with the police department at all. I'm not in support of, of, of what they do. You pull somebody over. It's so easy to deal with one person. It's so easy for, for the cops to deal with one person. And again, literally, it's true. It is. Pulling over one person is easy. But then dealing with a riot, they do nothing. They stand back. Now, why is that? Look, I, I got some videos. I don't know what I can or can't show because, you know, YouTube might uh, take this stuff down. But check this out. <clears throat> From Andy No, a group of women sing and dance outside of stores that were looted by BLM rioters in Brooklyn Center. 
Dwayne Wright, Minneapolis, Foot Locker, T-Mobile, liquor stores. And these people are just dancing in the street. I don't think these people are actual looters because cops are there on the scene. But you know what, man? It's, it's, it, I, I don't know. It's, it's not, it's not so easy to figure out how you solve for these problems. You know what I mean? Like the police obviously want to respond. I don't think the police want this stuff to happen. And there are a lot of people who didn't vote for this and voted for Trump or the Republicans or for some kind of, you know, increase in enforcement. But now you look at what's going on in Minneapolis and you look at how it's bad, how bad it's gotten. You've got rampant looting all this weekend. You've got another dude dead. You've got the Chauvin trial still happening. The defunding of the police. You got just, I just chaos, man. It's just, it's just chaos. I don't know what to say. I really don't. It's like, a, it's like a record on, it's, it's on a loop. You know what I mean? Am I supposed to feign outrage over what's happening in these cities when people keep voting for this stuff? No, I can't. Look, I complain the first time these rioters come out and I see this stuff in Portland, in, in New York, in LA, in Chicago, in Baltimore. I complain because I'm like, hey, people don't like this, right? Well, it turns out I was wrong. I was wrong. I'm willing to concede this. I'm always willing to concede when I'm wrong. I thought that these people were unhappy with the riots. And then it turns out they're actually thrilled with the riots. I mean, Portland reelects Ted Wheeler. These state like Minnesota, Minnesota went, uh, went, went blue, didn't it? They're just like, eh, I'm cool with status quo. I'm glad all of this is happening. Joe Biden ain't going to do anything. If you thought Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were going to do more than Trump was doing and Trump was barely doing anything, man, I feel bad for you. But I, don't, I, I, I can't, I honestly can't care anymore because these people had a choice and this, these cities vote for this stuff. You know what? Here's a big problem. You see these, 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 these women singing and dancing in the parking lot of T-Mobile and Foot Locker, these people vote too. And I'm willing to bet they vote for the destruction. So what do you do? I don't know. But like I said, these people like it. Now, there are a lot of people in, 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 in the Minneapolis area and Minnesota. I've talked to a lot of people. I know a lot of people up there. I'm like, when are you going to leave? And they're like, I can't just up and leave, bro. There are some people who got on a boat, traveled across the ocean, 3,000 miles, risking life and death, life and limb and risking death. And, you know, they did it. I didn't say it was going to be easy. It's going to be extremely hard. But when you live in these places, I'll tell you this. Here's what I think. When I see the people stay in these, these areas that are getting looted and there's rioters and the media defends them over and over again. Look at this crowd protests after police near Minneapolis shoot black motorists. This article from NBC News, they don't talk about the riots or the destruction or the looting. When people choose to live there, I know what this says. And you, you should realize this too. Now, there are people that are upset the looting's happening. I understand that. But those that would come to me and comment and tell me, I, I hate that it's happening. There's nothing I can do. I can't move. No, that's not what you're saying, bro. If you were in a burning, if you were in a building and the building caught on fire, you would get up and you would run out of that building. If your home was on fire, you would grab your kids and you would flee that building. And then you would be standing outside with no home. Where do you go? And what do you do? All your stuff is gone because there's an immediate threat. You feel that risk. You know, the fire is an immediate danger. When the rioting and the looting happens and you say, well, I can't leave. You see my point. You can leave. You can literally get out and walk into the woods. You don't want to do that. What you're really saying, and I get this, is that your life is actually safer and more comfortable living alongside the rioters and looters than it would be for you to spend money to sell off your possessions and take a large risk leaving where you live. I'm not saying it to be disrespectful. That's just the truth. If I heard a creaking in my, in my house and the roof started to cave in, 
you'd have no choice but to leave. It's not about whether you like that it's happening or don't like that it's happening. You're like, if I don't move, bad things will happen to me and my family. In Minneapolis, the people who say, I'm going to stay here are saying, if I stay here, I think me and my family will be safe. The riots just aren't that big of a deal to most people. So that's why I'm not going to pretend to be angry about it. I'm going to look at these videos. I'm going to be critical of the cops when I have to be critical when, when they do things wrong. I'm going to be critical of the rioters and the looters because that's wrong. But the regular people who live there, you know, I'll be critical of them too, because this stuff gets worse and worse day after day, month after month, year after year. It's just easier for me to stay where I am. It's safer for me to stay where I am. If it was true that the riots really were that dangerous and that bad for your community, you'd get out. But the truth is people, they choose the path of least resistance. And the safer option for them is staying in the city of riots. But I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm, I'm, I mean it literally like if you were to just get out and go walk in the woods, you'd be in serious trouble. Maybe it's better to be in your house and just protect yourself. If you were to spend all your money and move, you wouldn't have money for bills or you know medical payments or savings. I get it. It is safer to just be among the rioters and let them do their thing. Because I'll tell you this, the police aren't going to stop it. It's getting worse. You, you think that with after all this and the Chauvin trial going on, they're going to stop rioting. It is going to that, that city is going to burn to the ground. So I'll tell you one thing. There's an interesting point uh, of you have a building and someone tells you, hey, yo, there's like a bunch of people trying to burn your house down. And you're like, well, you know, it's better that I stay here. Yeah, but like sooner or later, it's going to happen. Well, you know, I'm safer in the house, bro, but you should do something, right? I guess it's short term versus long term thinking. You know, I think in the long term, I take a look at what's going on and I'm like, where will I be in a year? Because if I have to keep spending money on security and the cost of living keeps going down and the property values are tanking and the riots keep lighting up, is it going to be worth living here in a year? It may feel good now, but maybe you make the hard jump and then a year from now, you'll have you'll be in a much better position. You know, let's say on a scale of one to 10 with the riots going on, your comfort and happiness and safety is at a, at a six. A year from now, you'll drop to a four, maybe a three because the riots will get worse. You can leave your place now and it'll immediately drop you to a four or five. But a year from now, you'll be at a seven. You see my point? It's about quantifying that long term investment. I'll tell you one thing. You turn on the mainstream media and it's obvious. Oh, we know the National Guard was mobilized. We know that rocks and you know things are being thrown at people. 200 people are marching towards the police, police firing tear gas. The front door of the Brooklyn Park Police Department you know, was struck by gunfire, shattering glass, police said in a statement. They're, they're straight up shooting at cops. You want to stay there? Okay. Then don't, don't expect me to, be, to, to, to come out and be shocked by this. It's not just about voting for a politician. When you go to a place, when you live in a place like this and you keep putting money into the tax dollars that clearly aren't going to the police, they're getting defunded, you know, well, now they're trying to do this big recruitment drive. What they're doing now, the cops who would get hired are going to be okay with the wokeness and the critical theory and, and, and what's happening. The, the good cops who, aren't, who don't like what's happening, who don't like defund the police, who don't like the critical race theory stuff, they left. The new cops that come in aren't going to care. They're going to say, give me a buck. I don't care. You don't, you don't want to live that way because they're going to start swapping out that police department for some pro-woke lunatics. And then you're going to get a bunch of cops who believe crazy things and will do anything for a buck. 
If they're basically like scabs, you know what I mean? Like scab in terms of unions. You get someone, you get a picket line, you get cops saying, I ain't going to do this. I'm quitting. And then you got people saying, Psh, I'll do anything for money. What do you think happens then when you go out and they're like, I don't care. I'll do anything for money. So they'll walk up to you and they'll, they'll punch you in the face. They'll do whatever. And then maybe this is what the, uh, the woke people want. They want to keep using the police as the villains in this story. Rubber bullets and tear gas. Police were being shot at. Let me, let me, let me, let me just, let me just say this, guys. NBC News reporting the front door of the Brooklyn Park Police Department was struck by gunfire. And you want to stay in this city. I, I once left Chicago. I had an apartment. I had some I had some uh, I had some income coming in. I you know had a job sort of, you know, I was running my I, I do my own thing. I, you know, play music in the subway or things like that. And I left it all with nothing but two hundred dollars to go to L.A. Why? For adventure, not even because I was facing any risk. I was willing to risk homelessness and I was broke, but it was fun. And uh, very nearly ended up homeless. Very nearly. I had been homeless in the past in Chicago. That's why I wasn't too scared. I was like, I got to make this jump. Um, I, I get it, though. I was, I think, like 23 at the time. I didn't have family. I didn't have kids to worry about. And a lot of people say, it's different, man. You got kids. Let me tell you something. If you live in Minneapolis and you keep telling yourself that, you want your kids to grow up in this place, they're shooting at the police department. They're shooting out the windows of police departments. You don't want to live in that place, man. It's one of the reasons why I didn't want to live in Chicago, because you got police corruption and you got gang violence. I'm not down for that. In response to the, to the escalating violence from gangs, the cops lose their cool. And I've had cops kick my door into my apartment with my friends. Wrong house, apparently. Come out with their guns drawn. We were like, what are you doing in our, didn't matter, no warrant, they didn't care. Oops, and they left. Filed a complaint, nothing happened. Nothing happened. So I don't want to live in a place like that. So I leave. I'd rather go live out in the middle of nowhere where I can defend myself and have my rights, more so than I would in some of these other places. I can't believe there are people who would justify any amount of money, any amount of money, to live in this place. I'm sorry. I get it. Maybe it's hard. Maybe you can't just leave your family and have no money, but maybe you have to just take a leap of faith and just find something. Where there's a will, there's a way. And I think for me, I'm just, I was just willing to dive in. Granted, I didn't have a family, so it was easy. But I just dove into LA. I just went there. I was like, I don't know, no plan. Just boom. I was walking around downtown LA like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Hit up a bunch of friends, be like, just showed up, got no plans. And then I got lucky enough to have a friend. And so there you go, who said, come crash, but I can only let you crash for a couple nights. Then I immediately got a job, applied met some people, and I was totally ready to sleep on the beach. I was like, I got no plans. I'll go sleep on the beach. That's what I'm going to have to do. Then I'm going to have to do it. And I got lucky enough. It didn't, ha it didn't happen that way. I had people just say, no, 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 no. So look, I get it. I'm not trying to say there's a one for one exchange in that story. I'm just saying at a certain point, you, you have to realize this. You have to know what's going to happen when, when Derek Chauvin gets acquitted and he's going to be acquitted. But let me let me explain this. Chauvin's been charged with second degree murder, third degree murder and manslaughter. He's going to be acquitted. He may not go free. He may still get convicted on one of the charges. Murder two ain't going to happen. Murder two for Chauvin is that he intended to kill George Floyd. He was overcharged. The city was trying to placate the rioter saying, see, we charged him with murder two. But the rioters don't think long term. Murder two means that Chauvin got out, saw Floyd and said that he was going to, he decided to kill this man. That clearly isn't going to be proven. You can't prove that. 
Not in this case. He's a cop doing his job. Murder three, very, very unlikely. Maybe. What do I know? Manslaughter, very possible. But when they come out and they say the jury is going to go on the charge of murder in the second degree, we find the defendant not guilty. On the charge of murder in the third degree, we find the defendant not guilty. In the charge of manslaughter in the second degree, we find the defendant guilty. But you know what clip is going to get played over and over again? We find the defendant not guilty. Then you're going to have activists saying, yo, they found him not guilty of murder. Conviction is meaningless. He might still go to prison and then everyone loses. And you're going to sit around and wait for this. They're going to they're going to they're going to burn down and destroy everything in that city, man. And then they're going to dance in the street while it happens because they don't care. Let me make something clear for, for all of you guys. Maybe you can start understanding a lot of the, the perspective of these people. These, many of these people live at the bottom. They're, they're not rich by any means. They're poor. Many, are on, many, many people are on benefits. There's a reason why they loot. There's a reason why pro- poverty breeds crime. You think they're going to care when they're at the bottom and you're middle class and they destroy everything and it pulls you down? They don't care about that. They don't go anywhere. They still don't have the things they want. In fact, they come up a little bit stealing all this stuff. That's why they do it. So what do you think is going to happen? They're going to say not guilty on the count of you know murder in second degree. And then that's all it's going to take. Dudes are going to be like, let's roll. They don't care about justice. They're just going to go out in the street and smash things and steal things because they want stuff. You're going to live there. You do you, man. I do me. I got out of the city because I was seeing the riots cross the bridge, getting too close to my house. And I thought, look, man, I need more space for activities. We want to grow the business. It was difficult to buy property in this area, especially with everything going on. Let's go find somewhere else. Let's go out in the middle of nowhere, be free from this stuff. It was the right choice. It wasn't about Antifa. It wasn't about Black Lives Matter. It was about lawlessness and a breakdown of social order in these cities. It was about the pandemic and everything just falling apart. And you couldn't live, you couldn't live that way. How am I supposed to grow a business and to succeed? You couldn't do it. So we got out. That's what I did. I get it. At this point in my life, I have the ability to do that. With my business growing, we were able to move. Maybe it's not so easy for you, but I implore you to try and figure it out. That's just my opinion. Or stay, you know, whatever. But I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. The corporate press is in full-on panic mode. My friends, the end is nigh. The system of lies and manipulations cannot survive much longer. Many of these companies were subsidized by venture capital. Many of them relied solely on rage bait articles in the Trump bump era. Well, venture capital is drying up. We're now in the Trump slump era because Trump is no longer president and something else is happening. Subscription platforms are allowing individuals to create their own content and sell it directly to their fans. This is the subscription era. And there's a new company called Substack. I shouldn't say new, but a company gaining prominence is Substack. The New York Times comes right out and admits it. Why we are freaking out about Substack, a company that makes it easy to charge for newsletters, has captivated an anxious industry because it embodies larger forces and contradictions. My friends, this is a good day. It's good news for most of us. I'm sure there are many people who watch my, my videos and they're pro-corporate shills and they love suckling the teat of venture capital for their news outlets. I'm sure most of the people who watch this, though, they watch channels like mine because we are sick of being lied to. We are sick of the manipulation. How many stories do I need to pull up to prove to you once and for all they just keep lying? Recently, riots erupted. 
in Minnesota. Well, just outside of Minnesota. I'm, I'm sorry, just outside of Minneapolis in Minnesota. And when you pull up the story, you get one narrative, one narrative. These stories are more complex than this. Reportedly pulled over for having air freshener. The police killed him. Are you going to tell us at all what was really going on? Are you going to do any research on this? What about the Chauvin trial? Prosecution says Chauvin was not permitted. Witness says not trained. All of these stories, Chauvin bad, Chauvin bad, Chauvin bad. It's like the defense doesn't even exist. Well, certainly a, 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 a thinking person would be like, I understand they say all these things about Chauvin, but I think they're still a defense lawyer, right? Didn't they say anything? It turns out they do. The media just keeps lying. It is trash. You know why? A couple reasons. They make money off of pandering. It used to be, it, it was bad before, but it's just gotten worse in, in today's day and age. Why? Well, people can choose to read whatever they want. It's confirmation bias. Someone's going to say, I hate the media, so I'm going to watch Tim Pool. Yeah, well, you know, if you like the media, this is not the channel for you. But for a lot of conservatives, a lot of them won't watch my channel. Some will. Typically, the conservatives who watch my channel tell me, I don't agree with you, but I, you know, I appreciate that you're being honest. I also have many liberals who watch and many little L libertarian types, a rather eclectic audience. We did a poll once. Although the left wants to claim it's all conservatives, it's not. You can go to many conservative channels and see that many of these people will produce a conservative perspective and have conservatives on their show consistently. And leftists don't like crossing over or, you know, whatever. The point is, these news outlets know if they write an article that says defense routes Chauvin, uh, I'm sorry, defense routes prosecutors in Chauvin trial, defense nails slam dunk like I just did on Friday, that people on the left are going to be like, I refuse to click this. This angers me. So they don't. So what ends up happening is they just write articles that will pander to a smaller and smaller demographic, a lowest common denominator. For a while, they could just yell about Trump. Doesn't work anymore. Another thing that happened that you need to understand is that many of these writers, you, they, they can't, these companies can't afford these rage bait writers. No joke. Check it out. You get someone at BuzzFeed. Some of these people make like 70K a year and they write rage bait articles like, you know, oh, somebody, some two black men fought over fried chicken. I kid you not. They actually wrote that. That's insane. It's a fake story, by the way, but BuzzFeed actually wrote that. Trash. They do it because they want you to click. So they lie and they produce trash news. But these stories still go viral. The problem, they're paying the employees more than the articles actually generate. I've actually worked in these companies. I've experienced this. I remember when Fusion, when I, I, I had left there, they, the, the workers wanted to unionize. It was the new hot button thing to do. Oh, we're going to form a union. And I say, hey, that's great. If your company made money. I remember talking to my friends because I didn't work there at this point. And I was like, you realize that the only reason you have a salary is because a, a venture capitalist or a company invested, meaning you don't make any money. They don't have money to give you. They don't understand this. So then all of a sudden they're like, yay, we voted to unionize. And then we're like, then, and then Fusion's like, we're shutting down and firing everybody. Because listen, many of these big companies like Vice operate on investment, not revenue or profit, especially not profit. They get $500 million in an investment. And they use that to pay the salaries of people who write this garbage. The woke, crazy people are propped up by venture capital. Now that that is drying out, these companies are failing. It doesn't work. So this is a twofold victory, my friends, and we'll read it. The twofold victory is that the woke cancel culture types 
are losing their power because they're not propped up by any function of capitalism. They were pro- well, I shouldn't say that. Actually, venture capital is a function of, uh, of capitalism. What I mean to say is no one's reading their article and then they're making a bunch of money and then keeping doing it for the most part. There are many grifters who do get rich off this stuff by multi-million dollar mansions, you know, fighting for Black Lives Matter and things like that. But hey, more power to them, I suppose. But many of these writers don't do this. They're just siphoning away money. Doesn't work. I've witnessed this. And then we have the corporate shill journalists who will say whatever, whatever, whatever they have to say to try and get more clicks. So sometimes it does overlap with the woke. Well, they're losing out too. People have a choice. Substack is a platform where you can write an article and people can pay a monthly fee. I think most people are doing like five bucks. Some people do 10 bucks and then you get access to their articles. It's very much like Patreon. All of a sudden, the people who don't like this stuff are saying, why subscribe to the New York Times? I don't care. I'll subscribe to Glenn Greenwald or Matt Taibbi or Andrew Sullivan. And now you can see exactly why the New York Times straight up says we are freaking out about Substack. But don't let me, let me, I, I, I got more. The New Yorker says Substack is a scam in the same way that all media is. All right, I guess that's fair to point out. Many people have been screeching about Substack for two big reasons. It is siphoning away, siphoning away resources from these companies, allowing money to go directly into the pockets of writers and personalities, and it is allowing liberal-minded people, like classical liberals, to write and succeed. Here's one Medium post. Oh, Medium. See, Medium is very similar to Substack. Substack is not a neutral platform. The news, the newsletter platform is the latest tech company that turned a blind eye to anti-trans arguments. We also have this one. Why are uh, notes on the crises for Substack says, I am leaving Substack, basically pointing out that people like Glenn Greenwald and these other individuals are making tons of money and coming over to Substack, Substack and succeeding. And they all start to know it now. They all start to know Substack has people on their platform who are not woke cultists. Because of this, many of the woke cultists are demanding collective action. Collective action isn't working. Which brings me to this story from the New York Times, which is absolutely hilarious. We can see in this photo, Danny and Grace Lavery in Brooklyn both have signed contracts with a newsletter platform, Substack. These are individuals who, who write for, in favor of trans issues. But many people are upset they wanted the Laveries, Laveries, how you pronounce their name, to join them in collective action against Substack. It's hurting us. And they said, I don't know, money's good. So it's not all bad for the woke. But the fact that the woke was not able to leverage wokeness towards a cancel culture end is profoundly good news. The power is waning. These individuals said, I can write about what I want and get paid to do it. Why should I join some collective action? That's big. Capitalism may win in the end because people just want money. Well, Ben Smith writes about the problem. He says, Danny Lavery had just agreed to a two-year $430,000 contract with the newsletter platform Substack when I met him for coffee last week in Brooklyn, and he was deciding what to do with the money. That is a lot of money. I mean, this dude's going to be taking home like, what, 30-something thousand dollars? Well, taxes and all that, maybe 28000 or something. Quote, I think the thing that I'm most looking forward to about this is to start a retirement account, said Mr. Lavery, who founded the feminist humor blog, The Toast, and will be giving up an advice column in Slate. Mr. Lavery already has about 1,800 paying subscribers to his Substack newsletter, the, Shat, 
the Shatner Chatner, whose most popular piece is written from the perspective of a goose. Annual subscriptions cost about $50,000. So the dude is going to be making just shy of 90K a year doing this. However, they cut him a check for $430,000 over two years. So, okay, I was wrong. It's a two-year contract. So he's going to be getting like 16,000 take-home or something like that. I can't do the math right now. But, uh, you know, he'll be getting a lot of money every month, plus his subscribers. They say the contract is structured a bit like a book advance. Substack's bet is that it'll make back its money by taking most of Mr. Lavery's subscription income for those two years. The deal now means Mr. Lavery's household has two Substack incomes. His wife, Grace Lavery, an associate English professor in, at, at Berkeley, who edits the Transgender Studies Quarterly, signed on for $125,000. It's funny. The woke people are outraged. They're, 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 they're threatening to leave. I think I have a tweet from uh, Michael Tracy. Okay, maybe I don't. They're threatening to leave because the people like Glenn Greenwald and, and Matt Taibbi that are, that are making money, they don't, they don't like that idea. They don't like the idea that people who should be canceled are getting rich. Glenn Greenwald was forced to resign. They said he was trying to defend. He was trying to write bad things about Joe Biden. Now Glenn Greenwald's making six figures on Substack. I, I think Glenn said he's making less money, but you can make a lot of money. In the New York Times article, they write that some people are making seven figures off of just 10,000 subscribers. Can you, you, you hear that again? Wait, well, hold on a second. Making seven figures off of just 10,000 subscribers? Man, this channel, this channel's got 1,088,000 1, subscribers. And that's Substack business. But uh, to be fair, that's why we started TimCast.com. The reality is, now it's better than ever to strike back at the corporate press, the liars, the manipulators, and it's working. My friends, we are winning. Each and every one of you who went to TimCast.com and became a member, you're empowering me to go above and beyond what many of these people do. And I want to tell you something. This is all good news. You get the point. Now, this person you say is a Berkeley transgender writer, and you might be saying, I disagree with that. Listen, they were previously working for Slate, the far left blog. They left that. Now they're independent with only 1,800 subscribers. They're going to be getting way less views, but with core fans. That's good. Slate probably gets millions of downloads or readers or whatever. His article is going to get way less traffic. Hey, it's a win-win. They get money. They, get, they have less viewership for everybody, so you don't like their ideas. Regardless, it's irrelevant. In the end, the individual is empowered, and I think that's good. The people trying to make money off these articles won't be able to anymore. It's a good thing. I'm looking at this and I'm seeing a massive, I feel massively optimistic. I'm so excited to see Matt Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald doing so well because they have been absolutely killing it. We need to come together, left, right, moderate, whatever, calling out the authoritarians and the woke cult. I don't care what your cult is. You want to, you want to, you want to rag on QAnon because you think they're crazy? Do so with my blessing. The issue for me, the QAnon people don't run major corporate institutions. They have been gaining massive power. And now we are seeing the tides turning. But I want to point something out. I want to point something out. My, my, my disappointment a little bit, my disappointment in what we're seeing. There are a lot of high profile speakers, uh, commentators, personalities. And you look at these numbers, you have to realize something. For one, you can see the New York Times saying they are freaking out 
And it's kind of funny to see that. And you can see the National Review writing the hand-wringing media freakout over Substack. Look at that. They even show Brian Stelter. Brian Stelter's reliable sources newsletter, CNN's Carrie Flynn proposed recently that Substack is a problem because it provides a living for figures who attack journalists or stoke fears about transgender people and do so without the type of editorial oversight she'd prefer. Oh no, the corporate press, you're losing the ability to control the narrative and individuals can speak to their own followers now. It's amazing. But I'll tell you why I'm upset. Let me show you some, some, some math real quick. In the article, they call Glenn Green, Ben Smith, I like Ben Smith, but he calls Glenn Greenwald a libertarian. Excuse me, Glenn Greenwald's a progressive man. But he says, look what he writes. This new direct-to-consumer media also means that battles over the boundaries of acceptable views and the ensuing arguments about cancel culture, for instance, New York Magazine's firing of Andrew Sullivan, are no longer the kind of devastating career blows they once were. Only Twitter retains that power. Big media cancellation is often an off-ramp to a bigger income. Though Substack paid advances to a few dozen writers, most are simply making money from readers. That includes most of the top figures on the platform who make seven-figure sums from more than 10,000 paying subscribers, among them Mr. Sullivan, the liberal historian Heather Cox Richardson, and the confrontational libertarian Glenn Greenwald. Okay, well, Glenn Greenwald's not a libertarian. I don't understand why they needed to add that but not call Mr. Sullivan a conservative or whatever, but fine. Let me show you the math, my friends. It's true. Seven-figure income. I think I have it pulled up. Actually, I, <laughs> I don't think I have it pulled up. I've taxed the rich pulled up. Oh, well, anyway, somewhere I had the math. But the point is, let me just, let me just tell you the math. 10,000 subscribers per month at $10 per month is $100,000 per month. That's simple, right? $1.2 million per year. $1.2 million off of 10,000 subscribers. I'm disappointed a bit, but let me, let me, let me, let me, let me explain. On this channel, I have one, uh, 1,088,000 or so. On my flagship channel, it's uh, 1,249,000 subscribers, something like that. Timcast IRL has 997,300 subscribers, about to break a million. 10,000. If, if, imagine if each and every one of these subscribers actually pitched in 10 bucks we would absolutely overrun CNN. However, however, that's not why I'm upset. No, 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 no. Timcast.com has been doing amazing because you guys rock. I look at what some of these people do with their money. I look at them with their fancy cars and their infinity pools. And I don't care if they're left, right, up, down, whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, it doesn't take that much money to change the world, man, for the better. It doesn't take that much money to build a massive media empire that's going to challenge the lies and bring back real journalism. It is not that expensive. This is what breaks my heart. When I see some of these people succeeding on Substack, I'll tell you this, optimism abounds because we are seeing exactly what they say. The media, the cancel culture is losing its power. The woke are outraged because people who have, you know, uh, controversial opinions among the left, I guess, are able to speak. People with opinions are, are, are able to speak and survive. The problem is some of these people make a million bucks. No joke. Some of these people are getting $1.2 million per year off of just 10,000 subs. They take home probably, you know, maybe half a million after all the taxes. No joke because of processing fees, platform fees. What are they doing with that money? 
you know, look, I'm a bit of a lefty. A lot of people, that's why I, I had the, the tax, the rich thing pulled up. It was actually a response to somebody. I have that pulled up because if you bring in $1.2 million from your Substack, sure, you can pay all that in taxes or you can hire tons of people and just do better. Glenn, you founded The Intercept. It was great for a while, and then some crazy cult establishment garbage took it over. All of a sudden, now they're refusing to criticize Joe Biden. I'll tell you what. How about you take that income you got from your Substack and you start hiring people to write more articles the way you envision them, to expand your views and your ideas and bring more people into the fold who can do real journalism? Maybe they will. Maybe they are. But a lot of people aren't. Let me tell you something. One of the first things when people started signing up for TimCast.com, which look, the, the reason I wouldn't use a Patreon or a Substack or a Locals or a Subscribestar is because I don't see a reason for me to give 7% or more of my income to some company when I can just hire someone to build a site. We had a bunch of people sign up, a lot of people. Nowhere near, like, I, I've got, you know, a combined three or four million followers on all these platforms. I wish I had even a, a, a point, you know, 1% of these people, but I digress. The amount of people who signed up allowed us to launch a better website. The next thing we're doing is we've already brought on people to expand. We're going to be hiring a paranormal editor for a new show that's just paranormal. It's, it's going to, like, what we want to do is we want to explore the paranormal, UFO sightings, weird monsters, and things like that. But from a very pragmatic point of view, we're not going to assume there's an actual giant, you know, mothman flying around. Maybe it was an owl. But we want to explore the stories and, and ask, you know, why this may be occurring. We want to look at UFO and UAP stories from a pragmatic point of view and actually explore this stuff. We're going to be talking about cults and mysteries and, and all that stuff. That's a new show we're going to do. Why? To create culture, to inspire. We're going to be setting up a venue. We're going to do comedy shows. And I'm even talking with some comedians about writing a sitcom, which we will fund. When I look at how much money these people are making, I'm like, I just don't understand. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. I see an opportunity. When, when, when all of the people come to me, when all the people come to my website and they say, we like your show, Tim, we want to subscribe to get the TimCast IRL podcast. The last thing I'm thinking of is an infinity pool, a retirement account even. I'm not thinking about myself. I'm thinking, who can I bring on? Who can I empower? What more can I do to make everything better? So already we filmed a vlog. We've got the space being built. We want to inspire people to come out and do fun, cool things to inspire people to to speak freely, to be nice, not mean, not snarky. So we're going to do a lot. We're going to make movies. We're going to make shows. It's not all going to be politics. We're going to inspire people and we're going to inspire classically liberal values. I don't mean what what we you know when we think of politics, liberal, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the rights of the individual free inquiry, free thought expression. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to spend every, every cent in that direction. I am going to be continually empowering people and we're going to bring up regular people to come out and hang out and allow them to be part of this. So I'll, t so here, here's the point of this whole segment. I see more and more of these tweets where people are like, Substack is destroying everything. And I love it. It's good. It's amazing. The cancel culture lunatics are losing power. It's not working anymore. Then I see the corporate press freaking out. Even Ben Smith, who I like saying Glenn Greenwald's a confrontational libertarian. What are, you, what are you talking about? The guy's never identified that way. He's progressive. He's like a Bernie Sanders guy. Whatever. They're freaking out. They're scared. Good. Now, I, now beyond that, 
I am disappointed. I'd like to see more people funding more awesome stuff. But I guess, you know, for most people, they do their job and they're happy with the money they make. Now, as much as the left doesn't want to admit it, philosophically and ideologically, I'm pretty left. So, you know, what I'm going to do the money that comes to me isn't going to go into my pocket for an infinity pool or for, you know, it's monster trucks or whatever. No lie. I mean, I'll buy myself stuff, but it's all going to be useful in the direction of expanding culture and making fun things happen. First and foremost, we are hiring a news editor, probably a news writer and editor and a fact checker. So we're going to have the fact checker in a different part of the building. And when the editor writes a story, the fact checker is going to go through it and verify it. So we're going to actually have fact checkers here, even though we're only going to be writing like five articles a day, maybe just like, like blogs and cultural issues. But we're going to do that. We're going to make sure that we get everything right. We're going to make shows, sitcoms, short films, series, vlogs. We're going to fund contests, skate park stuff. We're going to fund, you know, a, a BMX, rollerblading, skateboarding, scooting, all that stuff. We're going to have events. We're going to film it because we're going to use the resources that come our way from all of you as members to fuel something bigger, a movement. Not of anything grand uh, and political, grandiose and political. No, it's not going to be about voting for anybody. I don't care. It's about building culture. It's about inspiring people to stand up for themselves, to feel comfortable, to be free, and to treat each other, no matter where you come from, no matter what you believe, no matter who you love, with respect. Not like the woke cultists who want to judge you based on your race and their right, far right counterparts who believe almost the same thing. I don't want none of that. I don't want to watch some dumb show where they stage these ridiculous plot points where it's like overly woke trash. It's what they've been doing kind of with, you know, the Falcon and Winter Soldier. I, I don't care for that. Look, you can put some stuff in there to get a point across for your politics, your ideology. I'm fine with that. But when they do like in Captain America, the cops pull over and they're like, is this man bothering you, Bucky? Because Sam is a black dude. I'm like, come on, man. Over the top had nothing to do with the story. Do it well or don't do it at all. More importantly, just make cool new shows. And here's the other thing. Everything is stagnant. Everything. Okay, the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Great, but these are old characters. They got US Agent as the main villain or whatever. Dude, it's from the 70s. Spider-Man's old character. It's hand me down, hand me down, hand me down. It's time we do something new. We make new things. And you know what? I'm willing to spend the money to have someone make something new. And if it doesn't work, we tried. I'm not doing this to be a billionaire. I'm not doing this to, 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 to take over the media empire and make money for shareholders or anything like that. I'm doing it because it's an important service for, for the people of this country and the world. I'm doing it because I want to inspire others to be good people. And in return, I am rewarded through capitalism. People like the content. They pay for it. So let's, I'll tell you this. We are winning this fight. That's great news. People are freaking out and cancel culture is losing its power. The flip side of this. When you go and support TimCast.com, I'll tell you what, that money that comes in every day, I'm calculating what's the next mission? Who's the next person we bring on? How do we make this bigger? And we are growing fast. It's not so super easy because quality control is an issue. I'm, I, I'm trying to make sure that people we bring in aren't going to be disruptive or, or damage things. And they really do believe in the idea of making fun, exciting content for everybody. They want to inspire people and they want to teach them to respect one another and to be individuals and say, let's all just get along and have fun, right? So, that, so it is hard to expand. A lot of people are like, you should just hire 20 people right now. I can't just do that. We have to grow as we can grow. News editors are coming. TimCast.com is going to start producing articles, commentary in the vein of what I do. Not conservative, fairly moderate positions, critical and pointing out 
as much as we can. And we'll try and do both sides. And we'll probably end up debunking a lot of left stuff because they tend to not be producing the truth. And when conservatives produce dishonest stuff, we'll do the same thing as well. The problem, I'll tell you this. When I look at conservatives, for the most part, I have a disagreement with them. They tend to be many of the prominent personalities putting out factual information. Tucker Carlson, for instance, you might disagree with him, but the left will call him a liar and they'll put out false information, falsely framed information or lies. Not all of the left, but too many of them. I'll give a shout out to Jimmy Dore because he's legit. He's a left wing guy who's honest. And there's a few others. Kyle Kalinske is pretty good. We're not all geniuses. We can't all know. We, we, we don't all know everything. But I look at like Stephen Crowder. He, he gets his facts straight. When he makes a mistake, he corrects it. But he's of conservative opinion. So we're going to get along. I, I disagree with you on your tax policy. I disagree with you on your tax policy. But we agree on the law that was passed. That's what we got to do. We're going to make a difference. I'm, I'm stoked. I really, really am. I'm excited for this. I, I, you know, normally I, I don't know, maybe this segment was a little weird for my normal routine. But when I saw the media, just it's in a, it's been a several months long panic over Substack and what it means. I'm like, we're winning, dudes. The good, the good guys are going to win. I don't know what this means in the short term, but this is, this is good for us. We'll see how it plays out. Go to TimCast.com, become a member if you believe in everything I just said. And thank you all so much. I'll see you on the next segment coming up at 4 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash TimCast. Thanks for hanging out.